When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the show, Crystal Beth. Hello, Crystal. Woo, hello, I'm here. Returning guest for the holiday season. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah, I've been watching is... Third Rock from the Sun in forever, so Ugh. this was a treat. This is the third week. This is part three of the Holiday Gauntlet Christmas, the big show, the big holiday we've all been waiting for. Uh, what is your history with Christmas? How do you feel about it? Uh, so Christmas was, has never really been a huge holiday for my family. We celebrate it because one must. But <laughs> it's culturally demanded. Yeah, Thanksgiving was a holiday that we all got together. And oh. I used to work in Rock Center. So for the last four years, it's just been me hating everything about Christmas that's ever existed. Because all it does is ruin my life for yeah. a month and a half. But I work downtown <laughs> now, so I don't have to worry about... Uh, that tree, which is a beautiful tree. Oh, but it's my I, favorite thing. I got it. If it didn't bring in all of the worst, because the thing is, is that everyone comes and everyone, and I work at a restaurant. Yeah. So everyone comes in and everyone's super excited about the holiday, but everyone's on vacation and everyone thinks they're the most important person because they are on vacation. <laughs> yeah. And they're not. In New York City. In New York At Christmas. City. Because they expect this movie, this whole, like, movie-themed life when they get here. Yeah. And, but now that I'm downtown, it's so chill. It's really quiet. And Brookfield Place is beautiful. Many tourists, yeah, probably, exactly. Because yeah. I now work uh, across the street from the tree. Cause I, I'm, so I work at like, the Rockefeller Street stop. Um, I am lucky, though... That the subway opens up into my building, so I don't. I oh, never have to go outside. I can just go straight up to my building, and then there's a lot of restaurants in the area that I like in the complex that I can just go to. I don't ever really have to go outside and you know mess with it. Although I did go and look at the tree last night, and it is like insane, but it's still like my happy place. Yeah, it's just my beautiful. Spot. I do I love, love being there because like, Christmas. It's pretty. I mean, like we are we are recording this right on the right before my Christmas party. Yum. You're in a Star Wars Christmas sweatshirt. I am. I'm dressed like Christmas F. Tompkins. 
<laughs> like, like I am every year. So like, yeah, I love Christmas. This is a very Christmassy episode. And uh, it's very appropriate that we are talking about this week on the show. We're traveling to December 15th, 1996. Jerry Maguire rolled the box office. Unbreak My Heart by Tony Braxton topped the charts. And NBC aired the third Rock from the Sun episode, Jolly Old St. Dick. Crystal Beth, you must have seen Jolly Old St. Dick before. I have seen it before. What was your history with third Rock from the Sun? So third Rock from the Sun was on right when there was a sliver of time where my family had TV. Oh. So I grew up without a lot of television shows. I was able to watch it at my dad's, but at my mom's we just had movies. So we didn't have cable or any, even the basic channels because we didn't have an antenna. Oh, man. But my mom oh, wasn't a TV watcher, and there was a period of time, I think maybe from like 95 to, or I guess 95 on. Yeah. That was when we first started getting like... this January 96. Yeah. So. so that was when we got cable. And I don't remember what was on before it, but I remember the first time I saw it, I, a show I was watching ended. Yeah. And that one started, and I was like, who are these grown-ups? Yeah. And then I was like, oh, that boy's like a little cute. I kind of <laughs> like him. And Mr. I started Joseph watching. Gordon so funny. Yeah, so I was... So funny. This was like, there. there's like the legion, there's like the generation of shows that I discovered with my parents, and I watched them with my parents, which was uh-huh. like Friends and Seinfeld and ER... And Home Improvement and, like, all those, like, the family shows. Yeah. And then there was, like, the generation of shows just after that that were my shows. Like, News Radio and Third Rock from the Sun were my shows. My parents didn't watch them. I watched them. And I was obsessed with Third Rock from the Sun in middle school. I had... I had a t-shirt. It was black. And it had Fritch Stewart, Harry, in the middle of it. (laughs) He was hunched over with his hands side, like, on each side of his head. And it said... And, like, had, like, these, like, radio, like, pink waves coming out of him. And it said, like, incoming message from the big oh, giant head yeah. around it. Um, and then I also had a third rock from the sun, like, the um, the guide to Earth that they wrote back to the big giant head. They had, like, they released that. Oh, that's cool. As, like, as, like, as, like a, as a companion book. Because TV shows used to do this fun, like, companion books. Back before there was the internet, if you wanted, like, an episode guide and, like, interviews and stuff, you had to buy these fun, sometimes in-universe companion-y things. Um, so I had one of those, and that came with a third arc from the Sun mobile. So I had that hanging from my ceiling. Wow! In oh my gosh, you said mobile and mobile, I, mobile. I assumed cell phone. Yeah, and I was like, it came with a cell phone in '96. That's like, crazy. That's expensive. That's so, everything came with a mobile. Yeah, I had so many things from different books and stuff that just hanging around my room. But, like, Third Art from the Sun was my jam. For, like, the first, I don't know, two or three years it was on. Yeah. And, uh, so, like, getting to revisit it is just kind of crazy. Joseph Gordon-Levitt get his hair cut on the show. I remember when that happened, and I was like, oh, damn. Yeah, he got it cut. I feel like it was, like, season three. I think it was seasons one and two. He has the long, looks like a girl, as he is uh, made fun of in this episode by a Santa Claus. Um, but yeah, this week on Must Have Seen TV, we're going to be talking about the Third Rock from the Sun episode, Jolly Old St. Dick. It is the 12th episode of season two. It was written by Bill Martin and Mike Schiff and directed by Robert Merlinger. Here's how Amazon describes the episode, Buckle Up. The Solomons experience their first Christmas. Dick is disillusioned, but finally gets into the Christmas spirit. Sally lands a job wrapping presents at the mall. Harry takes a job as a mall Santa's assistant and discovers that he isn't the real Santa. Tommy tries to find the perfect present for August, and Albright gets drunk on rum balls. Crystal, how accurate does that describe the episode? Uh, it's pretty perfect. That is literally the entire That's episode. the whole thing. We don't actually need to discuss the plot of the episode, because that is almost beat for beat everything that happens. Yep. 
<laughs> that's a sign of a good episode, though. Simple, to the point, yeah. all the good stuff you're able to get out. The only thing that's not in that synopsis is the drawing of the Secret Santa name. Right. Which is my favorite part of, of the, the entire, entire episode. It's so funny. Ugh. So Ugh. for work, uh, my work at Decider.com, which everyone should be checking out because there's a lot of good Christmas sitcom stuff right there, plug, plug. Um, I have been doing a Christmas sitcom advent calendar. So every day leading up to Christmas, I, I recommend another Christmas episode. I think this episode is actually coming up or will be up by the time this is posted. Um, and then I'm also doing a Christmas sitcom flowchart, which depending on what tropes you want to see in your Christmas episode, it will lead you to the perfect oh, one to watch. Oh my God, that's amazing. So for <laughs> this sounds... project, I watched about 60 different sitcom episodes, sitcom Christmas episodes. Damn. And while watching them, I was keeping track of the Christmas tropes that are in every single one of them. And I maybe came, I think I came up with like 20 different tropes, maybe like 25 different tropes. And this episode is notable because it has 15 of them. Wow. Which is the most. It beats out um, Full House is a Very Tanner Christmas and Family Matters is We Wish You a Merry Winslow Christmas. Wow. Which both had 14 tropes in it. This one edged them out. So I thought to discuss the episode, we can just go through all 15 tropes. Yeah, man, I miss disc- the naming of episodes. Yeah. The naming of episodes were so good Nowadays, in the 90s. Nowadays, a lot of things are like chapter one, yeah. chapter two, or like they're really hard to track down. So yeah. I love, you know, this one's called Jolly Old St. Dick, which is great, because every single it's Third Hour from the Sun episode is a dick pun, yeah. is their title. So the first trope is this episode is all about Christmas, because that is not a given. Sometimes a Christmas episode, the Christmas is like the B plot, or the right. C plot. Like Die Hard. Yes. Exactly. That's another article I have. <laughs> I'm a decider, which is, die, don't at me, Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. It is a movie set at Christmas. Yep. And I get angry. Um, but yeah, this episode is all about Christmas. Because uh-huh. every single part of this episode is just drenched in Christmas. Mm-hmm. All four it's of them. sticky have, in it. Yeah, it's just like a bunch of candy canes and snow. Because <laughs> like, yep. let's go through. All, um, all four of them have Christmas, Christmas plots. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dick has a secret Santa plot. Uh, Harry gets a job as an elf. Uh, Sally gets a job as a gift wrapper, and Tommy is trying to find the perfect gift last minute. So it's like, yep, all about Christmas. Uh, did you did you feel like there was too much Christmas? Or no, <laughs> no. There, I mean, when it comes to sometimes, it's like exactly what you said with how some episodes don't have a lot of Christmas in them at all. Yeah. I want to be, because while I'm someone that's like, oh yeah, Christmas is a thing, when I want to watch a Christmas thing, I want to be sticky in it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I want everything about Snowed it to be Christmas. It. Right. Which is why I, too, don't think Die Hard is a Christmas movie. I like to joke about it, but no. It just happens to be set. It's like... Set at Christmas. Yeah. Like, you can remove set at Easter or something. You can it's remove like, all the... Christmas, same with Batman Returns. Same with Iron Man 3. Mm-hmm. It goes on and on. Um, so the second Christmas trope is decorating outdoors. Because the first thing we see is Dick and Miss Dubchek like lighting out the. They're like coming inside because they've like attached all these lights to outdoors, and yeah. she like and he like turns it on. Turning on Christmas lights is the best. That first feeling of plugging it in, yeah, and you don't know if they're going to turn on or not. That's why something wrong. You gotta test them first. Yeah, like this year we unpacked all of our Christmas stuff, and I tested. I plugged in three light strands. I was like, these aren't working, so chuck them immediately. Yeah. I'm glad I didn't shove them on our tree. <laughs> I remember when we used to. 
so we had those, the big uh, cloudy Christmas lights. Oh, yeah. So the ones where there was like a foot of space in between all of them. Yeah. And we just decorated, we had a cape, so we decorated just like the face of the roof of the house and the face of the house. It looked like a little gingerbread house. Oh. It was so pretty. But it was my job to go through and find the bulb that wasn't working because we had the same lights for... Oh, God. I say 10 years. And what we did was we, instead of just stapling them to the roof, they were already on long pieces of wood that were the length of our roof. So we just slid the wood That's up on the smart. roof and clamped it on. That way we didn't have to worry about taking them down and put them up up. And it was just easy. That's a whole process. But checking those bulbs That's was... a nightmare. It was a nightmare, but... Because I associated it with like Christmas with my family, I got excited when I was able to do that. I was like, oh, it's time to check the bulbs. And they were like, all right, that weirdo little girl is going to go to the thing we all hate. But yeah, yeah. Check the lights first. <laughs> yeah. And then throw and them so out. there's no disaster with this. They like plug it in and then Miss Dubchek is like, I want, I want them to be able to see me from the space shuttle yeah. or whatever. But that's all we see of Miss Dubchek. Yeah. She's not in the rest of the episode. Well, the end. She's at the end. Yeah. But everyone's um, in the Santas are at the end. Yeah. Um, I was I was really hoping we'd get some Jan Hooks because her daughter is played by Jan Hooks and she is so great. Yeah, she's in the Thanksgiving episode from this season and it's like a fantastic tour de force. She's I can't great. remember the Thanksgiving from that season. Um, the third Christmas trope in this episode is a tree disaster. So Harry comes home. <laughs> Harry comes home at the beginning of the episode with like basically the Charlie Brown tree that he mm-hmm. even says like Look what I got a stick. No! It's a Christmas tree! Y'all see, all it needs is a little love. And it has a little red bulb on the top. Yeah, just, just like Charlie Brown. And everyone else is like, what's up with that stick? Like, everyone's making fun of it. <laughs> uh, and, but um, the, the tree disaster comes when they all do, like, a group hug. And you hear, like, a... Crack. A snap. Yep. And then they look at it and it's just oh now it's just a stick now it's just a stick oh poor Harry <laughs> who is your fa- who is your favorite of the four of them honestly it changes through as I got older even with the show yeah it, ch- it changed I Dick was always someone that I was like oh okay whatever about because I identified more with Tommy yeah so I was like oh I, I always loved Tommy and then Sally, I was like, oh, Sally's pretty cool, too. But watching Third Rock from the Sun within my last 10 years of life, I'm obsessed with Dick. He's <laughs> yeah. so funny. He's I think perfect. He, he's a character that you uh, like more, I think, the older you get. I think because yeah. as a kid, it's like, he's the old man. I don't like it. Because right. Harry, I loved Harry. Uh, yeah. Like, give me a weirdo. Like, Gonzo's my favorite Muppet. Like, yeah. obviously, Harry is my favorite member of this cast. Harry, I could... The problem with Harry with me was that his face made my eyes hurt. Oh, because he was always... Because he was always scrunching. Yeah. So I wasn't comfortable watching him. I think he's (laughs) hilarious. I think he's so funny. But the scrunched eyes, even as a kid, I was like, I... Like... Open up. feel it. I was like, how are you doing that with your face I think it's more... It's pretty natural. Because he's kind of like that in every... I think he accentuates it a lot in Third Rock. But any other time you see him, his eyes are pretty squinty. Yeah. So... Just how he's it's how he sees the world. Yeah. Um, the fourth Christmas trope in this episode is a mistletoe joke. Yep. A runner, a mistletoe joke runner. It goes out throughout. Is every time Dick goes to his office, <laughs> the the mistletoe is hanging, and he keeps thinking it's a weed, and he's like, "Oh, the root must be high up." That's so funny. The root, oh, the root must be up, upstairs. Is that what he said? Yeah. Yeah. I love that, and he's so tall. Yeah. And I love when tall people's heads rub against things. 
in movies and shows and stuff. I don't know why. Maybe because I don't experience it. Yeah. But when he's like looking around and he can feel it on his head, it still makes me laugh. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it, it repeats three times. And at the end, very end of it, he finally learns what mistletoe is. Mm-hmm. Um, because him and Mary are standing under it. And they finally, like, kiss. He's like, what's this for? He's like, it's mistletoe. Oh, that weed grew back again. <laughs> it's mistletoe. Mistletoe? Yeah. Well, what's it for? Oh, I'll show you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. But what's the mistletoe for? <laughs> Dick. And he's like, oh. And then he, then he kisses her, and then, like, she lunges at him. Yep. And then she, like... Does he, he, like, hoists her up. Well, he shrinks way down. Yeah. Like he shrinks down to her height, and then as he's kissing, he, like, stands up a little bit more and pulls her up with him. And it's so cute. Yeah. It's such a good kiss. And that's just something that John Lithgow is just so good with his body. Yeah. And knowing how it's going <laughs> to look when he's doing anything. And it's a... Because that's not how a person kisses. No. You don't shrink down to the person and then stand up and uncurl with them. <laughs> but it looks great. I also, we could talk about Mary real quick. Because, um, like, Jane Curtin, I only, this is the first time I ever knew who Jane Curtin was, was yeah. this show. And then later, as I got older, I realized, oh, she was an original member of the SNL cast. Yeah. Like, she's a legend. I didn't know that. I mean, that's, I didn't know that growing up when I was no, watching yeah. it either. And I don't think it was, because I didn't watch SNL often at all when I was younger and I think it was I want to say I was in college when I was I saw old clips from SNL and I was like oh that's where she oh (laughs) yeah so she's not just an actor or actress that played this part she was on SNL a fucking like SNL original like part of like the three original like bad girls of SNL and I love like you read that oral history of SNL book and she's always one of those like I went home. Like, yeah. everyone else was like, we just stood at the offices and did coke and, like, fucked each other. She's like, I was married and I went home. Yep. And then she would get mad at anyone else that would, like, make fun of her for that. She was like, I'm doing my job. She's yeah. so straightforward. Um, and then she also had a sitcom in the 80s called Kate and Allie that lasted five to seven. Really? Like, it also, like, broke the 100-episode barrier. So she, this was her second successful sitcom. And no one really talks about her enough. And I love how real she is just in this. She's like unapologetic about everything about her. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. So the fifth one, which is your favorite, is the Secret Santa. We get a Secret Santa plot in this, which that scene of them coming in and like explaining to Dick like what Secret Santa is. (laughs) (laughs) Secret Santa's hard. That like... I uh, give it away all the time. Oh, it's the... I'm so, I'm so bad at it. Well, there's so many variations on it, too. Because there's, like, the variation where it is, like, you just get them a shit ton of gifts peppered throughout a couple of weeks, which seems like that's... That's... Too much. I've never heard of that, and I would like to play that, but only getting the gifts and giving them. Yeah, that's too much work. I get, like, the one where you, like, trade, like, draw names and you buy them one gift. Right. And that's, like, cool. That's easy. Yeah. But, like, because Dick says in this episode, like... From now until the party, their life will be a topsy-turvy labyrinth of mystery and intrigue. <laughs> but he, he's drawing out all the names, and he ends up landing on... Judith. Because he starts putting them back. Yeah. So he's like, I don't want them. like, no, you have to just draw one. And he gets it. And then, like, the way that he, like, is so blatant about it. <laughs> that is my favorite part. When he, like, puts his hand down, and he turns and looks at her, and he's got his, like, chin all the way back, and he's like, they'll never know who I have. And then he sits, and he's like... 
Oh, that's when he's like, oh, the crazy topsy-turvy yeah. whirlwind maze of feelings and emotions of presence. And he, like, snaps the paper yeah, at yeah, her. so good. And he's... <laughs> and she's like, begs, like, please, I beg you, let him draw again. And then he <laughs> pops it in his mouth. He, he pops it. the paper in his mouth and eats it. <laughs> it just... This uh, is a great, it's a great little moment. It's so funny, and it's such a little kid move, too. Yeah. Like, That's the thing, like, all four of them are really good at playing aliens as people. Yeah. Because all four of them are just these heightened, weird versions that don't make, like, they're just, they're obviously aliens to us because we know they're aliens. Right. It's a very, like, weirdly broad but nuanced performance, yeah. I feel. <laughs> it's really, it's... It's fun to watch them because it reminds me of all the kids. Like, I used to nanny for a long time, and having all the uh, little kids around Christmas was always so much fun, and these adults show the same weird joy as they do, even though it's a confusing joy because they don't know what is going on. (laughs) And to get excited about wrapping presents, oh my gosh. I had John wrap the presents for here because I was like, and they're square. Yeah, I love it. I'm a huge present wrapper. I love it. My notebook good. It looks good. So the sixth trope in this episode is mall Santa and mall elves. So we get Harry working as a mall uh, elf and, and uh, Santa. Um, the, we can talk about both these because the, the other trope that is in there is Santa believers. Uh-huh. So these tropes are combined because Harry is a mall elf that actually does believe in Santa. And I think all of them believe in Santa because mm-hmm. they're all aliens. And why wouldn't they? And they get upset by it too. Yeah. They're like, what? <laughs> Tell me how this works. That is the fun, the, the, Harry's plot in this I do love, because when he, like, goes back to, like, Santa needs to take a break, and he goes back there, and then, like, Santa, like, takes off all the stuff, and he just, like, oh, Santa, <laughs> what are you, I mean, it's you. That's great, and then later, he's at that bar, drinking, and, like, Shush, like getting shot glasses of eggnog. Yeah, it looks like just milk. Oh, am I just? I think milk? it's just oh, because he says fat free. Yeah, he's like two more, like, two fingers. Two fingers. Nah, no fat. <laughs> is that how people? Is that how people order things at your restaurant? I had one person ever order something two fingers. Oh, and they just said two fingers, and I was like, whiskey of what? Scotch water? What do <laughs> milk? you want? Yeah, are you Harry? Are you Harry right now? Uh, so in that episode, he's like. Talking about how he was going to, like, go work at the North Pole. Like, he was, you know, ready to just commit. And over his shoulder, Santa walks in. He sees and he gets, like, he starts accosting him. And uh-huh. then the second one walks in. He's like... Whoa. Whoa. And he's, like, laughing about it. Kind of, he's this like, huh, weird. what? <laughs> and then he backs up into a third one, turns around. And it's a really, honestly, like, people shit on French Stewart because he's done a lot of, like, direct-to-VOD. Like, uh-huh. direct-to-like, he was, like, the Inspector Gadget after Matthew Broderick quit. Right. Not had the great career after this. Also, he's the most obvious, like, cheesy character on the show. But his performance in this moment, I legitimately love. It's funny. Because he and backs up. Real. He has this, like, terror, like, bah! like, scream, beat, turns around, sees the other two, scream again. Oh, mind your... Whoa! Wait a second. But you... He... Is there a problem? Ah! Ah! And then full body, like, tumbling run to the door. And, <laughs> and he spreads out his arms perfectly, too. Yeah. Like, it's, again, it comes down to an actor that knows their body. And he can, he doesn't know, he can't see himself, but he knows that if he's like yeah. this, 
it's gonna look great. That's the thing. Um, all four of them are all such good physical comedians. Because uh, Sally's plotline isn't really covered in the tropes. So we can talk about her plotline being a gift wrapper in the mall. I love the, like, big, brassy... Because gr- she's, like, the military expert that's been shoved in this body. And uh-huh. so much of the comedy comes from her having to, like, navigate through, like, social expectations of a woman and stuff. Yeah. And this episode, she's like, shopping is awesome and Christmas is ruining it. And she's getting... <laughs> I know. It's such a great... Like, the way that she gets so angry about her job. Like, I have to say the whole thing. Like, don't leave. She, like, like yells it as yeah. they're going away. And her plotline culminates... And basically her, like, yelling at a kid for getting his mom a dirt devil or something. Yeah. How nice. The gift that keeps on sucking. (laughs) And so then she's like, here, give her this. And starts handing off. She starts, Uh like, mixing up all the presents. Which is a great... It's It's so funny, but it gives me anxiety for outside of the show. Like, outside of the episode, what would happen? Oh, yeah, because I... Like, what would happen if someone just started giving away other gifts... I mean, if it was a perfect, let's think it's like, is it a perfect gift? But also, I could see someone like coming back and be like, um, excuse me, like, I do like the gift, but it was, can you also give me the $15 price difference? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, that's where it gets like, ugh. Yeah. That's why this only try this in a sitcom. Right. And I know it's, it's not a real thing, but my brain always <laughs> goes to like, oh my gosh, what if? What if? <laughs> uh, also, the seven, there was carols. There were Christmas carols all over this. So I heard. Jingle Bells, Deck the Halls, Joy to the World, Oh Christmas Tree, Jingle Bell Rock, and Silent Night. Yeah. And a fun rendition of Silent Night. Oh, I love, yeah. So through my uh, studying, I learned that Jingle Bells and Deck the Halls are the most popular Christmas carols to be featured in sitcom episodes. Oh, I it, guess makes sense. That's there. I mean, I feel like that's across movies too. Yeah, they're just everywhere. My mom, when I was growing up, middle any any time of the year when she's doing something and her mind is on that and not thinking of anything else, she starts whistling "Fa la 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 la." Oh wow! No matter, doesn't matter what time of year get, it is. Oh, that'd be that's rough. And in it, a way. And it was always kind of subtle and under her breath. And I was like, that is so weird. And I caught myself doing it. (laughs) This last year, I would be doing like, as soon as my mind was on something and not focused on what I was doing, I could feel myself going. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, no. (laughs) I think it's because they're the two songs that are so easy to start singing. Yeah. Because all, all a character has to say is, Deck the halls with boughs of holly, and then every other character can immediately go follow. And then, like you, it's a really good, like there's comedic heightening to it yeah. and stuff. It's fun, um, and all those laws are very uncomfortable, therefore very funny to yeah. see. Well, there's a good joke in this episode where they like where Mary's like when Dick is in his Grinch phase, and Mary's like, "Can you come help us hang the boughs of holly?" And he goes, "Dick, we need somebody tall to hang the boughs of holly." Fa la 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 la. No, <laughs> I love that. Um, so we talk, we talk about Santa believers trope number nine, last minute shopping. This episode is Tommy doing some last minute shopping, which that happens in a lot of sitcom episodes is a character discovers they need to buy something like ASAP on Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve. The whole plot of, uh, oh gosh, Jake Lloyd, Jingle All the Way. Jingle All the Way. Yeah. It's trying to find that. whole (laughs) plot. So that's his whole, uh, game. And he like goes and sits on Santa's lap and is again like... (laughs) 
don't you have a list? Listen, like it wasn't what he cuts him down by saying like pork butt, pork butt. Sheesh. Yeah. Listen, your pork butt. I need to know what to get her. Yeah. Don't you have a list or something? And then the Santa gets angry. Yeah. And says what? Listen, pork butt. I need model numbers here. Get a haircut. You look like a girl. Nowadays, it's like okay, Santa. Like let's talk. Let's have a talk about like gender norms. Yeah. Being respectful of people's choices because Tommy likes his hair that uh-huh. way. I've I've been watching a lot of things that have come out that came out in the '90s and early 2000s. I'm like, that would not be made now. You could yeah. not make certain things. That's me. A lot of friends is just yeah. a lot of like, men do this, women do that. Which, and weirdly enough, I watch Home Improvement, and it has less of that than Friends does at times. And it's Home Improvement. So crazy. Is, uh, anyway, Home Improvement is fun. Um, the eleventh trope is cops and crime. Because a lot of Christmas episodes involve cops or people getting arrested. Or kidnapped. Or, yeah, there's a lot of stuff. Um, And this one has Dick going to find the perfect Christmas tree, where he says, like, Oh, Tannenbaum, oh, Tannenbaum, that's Christmas tree in German. (laughs) But he cuts down to some rando's tree, the cops come, and then, like, that is what sends him into uh, a later trope that we'll get to in a second. Um... The twelfth trope is carolers, because uh-huh. they're sitting on the roof. That's where Dick is like stewing. Uh-huh. He's getting so angry. They're, all of them. They all have their all arms angry. wrapped around their knees. And they're like this holiday stew, which is I think that um, I mean you, you might have it too, but I feel like another trope that they have is the uh, loving Christmas and then hating it. Yeah, and then going yep. right back. That is the thirteenth one. Someone's a Grinch. Oh, good. See, so yeah, 11, 12, and 13 are all kind of tied up. 11, Cops and Crime, 12, Carolers, and 13, Someone's a Grinch. Um, because they've all become Grinches, and Dick, like, starts taking all of the roof ornaments and <laughs> chucking them at the Carolers. <laughs> oh, I love when he takes the head off. Yeah. He just pulls the head off, but he keeps the body under his arm. Like, why did he throw that, too? But all the, everyone else around him are looking at, they're looking at him like, that's too far. Yeah. Like, they're all kind of shocked. Yeah. Like, Dick is madder than everyone else. And Sally, even Sally's like, whoa, relax. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so then, yeah, so the someone's a Grinch. We get to the um, Dick's, like, teaching scene. Uh-huh. And they're all, like, passing Christmas cookies around. I love the way that, like, Dick sees those cookies, and then he just starts snapping them in half. Uh-huh. Oh, uh, Karen made them. Yeah, they're Christmas cookies. Mm-hmm. Oh, how Christmassy. Yeah. Oh, sparkly red and green. Oh, look. One of Santa's reindeer. Watch him fly. And then he, like, smacks it against the... He throws it against the chalkboard. Can you imagine a teacher doing that in class? Like, that would be intense. Yeah, I think that they would get in trouble. Yeah. Dick would <laughs> they be They would get a lot of trouble. Dick does, I bet Dick does not have tenure. Yeah. He's an alien. They haven't even been on Earth a year yet. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, they would have a substitute for the rest yeah, of the year. Yeah, needs to calm down. Yeah. Um, They'd be like, uh, those weren't your cookies to throw? So then he assigns all of them a... 15-page typed, like, paper on... I was like, a math paper? Some, like, on crazy. Like, some crazy physics. Like, holy shit. Um, And so, like, the next trope is 14, Christmas party, because then we see finally to the Christmas party. So many great sitcom episodes involve a Christmas party. Um, The Office has a Christmas party. That's really great. That's the whole Jim and Pam, the whole the thing teacup thing starts to come together more. So great. Um, so yeah, we finally see their Christmas party, and this is where we hear Jingle Bell Rock, because Nina is like, Christmas is the only time of year where I like white people music. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and they're making eggnog, which eggnog is probably another trope, but I forgot to count it in the first, like, ten I watched, and I was yeah. like, well, I'm not going to go back yeah. and rewatch. So It's like an accessory. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, whatever. Um, it's and, like counting ham. Yeah. Love me some ham. Pineapple uh, stuck to it, my dad. <laughs> so Dick is like even assigning Nina work. He's like, go retabulate all of my grades, and it's like, what the fuck? She's like Christmas Eve Eve. Yeah, I uh, lo- I wish that the one thing about this episode I would change is that uh, the way she says Christmas Eve Eve, she was like on Christmas Eve Eve question mark. I wish she had said just like the guys in the classroom. Yeah. It's Christmas Eve Eve. Yeah. Just point blank, because that would have been an extra... I was like, oh, that would be so funny for her yeah. to be like, just like the kids. Like, hello. It's Christmas Eve Eve. Yeah. This is the thing. Yeah. We all know this is a thing. No one does anything Christmas Eve Eve. Um, he, she like even calls him a Scrooge, and he's totally Scrooge now. And he says... Who needs Christmas anyway? I say bug humbar. <laughs> you mean bah humbug. Bah what? You said Bug Humbar. And? Well, what does Bug Humbar mean? Well, what does Bah Humbug mean? <laughs> Which I thought is pretty great. Bug Humbar. So, bug Humbar. It's like, well, you mean Bah so, Humbug. It's like, well, what does that mean? It's like, I don't know. <laughs> it means the same thing as Bug Humbar. Bug Humbar is a name of someone in Star Wars. Oh, definitely. It has to yeah. Be. yeah. But then what causes Dick's heart to melt? coffee cup Nina gives him a gift and Nina and Dick is like oh you're my secret Santa and Nina's like no I just like Christmas here you go you jerk basically and he gets he opens it up and it is a travel coffee mug very 90s travel coffee mug yeah that big base and the skinny little it's like metallic looking and and it's because like she's like yeah you spill so you won't spill coffee in your pants every morning he has this great like you noticed yeah (laughs) Yeah, he's, like, both, like, tickled and, like, there's a little bit of shame. Yeah. Like, there's, like, you've noticed. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so nice, because it's, like, he just learned the meaning of Christmas is a person gave him a gift that didn't have to give him a gift that he didn't ask for, but something that he needs that they noticed. Uh-huh. Like, that's the magic of Christmas. Those are the best presents. It's, like, because she works with him every day. Yeah. And that's, like, and that's where he finally learned, like, Grinch style, Christmas isn't about... You know, Miranda rights and chopping down <laughs> trees and all that shit that he said. Handcuffs and Miranda rights. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's where he, like, has this turnaround. The episode kind of ends before we get to the 15th trope. So, like, he has this, like, nice turnaround. He starts, like, the kids come in and they, like, hand him his papers. 
he just throws them in the air and is like, I'm not going to grade them. And then they're excited about it. I'd be yeah. like, I just wrote a 15 page paper about. And like, in like three hours. Like, yeah, three or four hours. Because get them to me by six. They all uh, say they're sorry that they're late. So it might be like seven. And that, their class is probably, I don't know, 10, 11 a.m. Like, they spent all Christmas Eve Eve in a library. But then it makes me think, like, how hard is Dick's class? Because he says, I'm going to give you all C's. Yeah. And they all freak out happy. And then he says C pluses. And they're like, over yeah, the Yeah, this is the best. Which to me in college, if a teacher had done that, I would be livid because I didn't make C pluses. Right. I made A's. <laughs> like, so I'm like, Dick's class had to have been. Yeah. Or... He is teaching the remedials. Oh yeah, and they're they're like this is the last class they need to graduate from their like they're doing something uh, some sort of uh, major that needs a more difficult math. Yeah, and they just got Man. stuck with this one because others were full. In college, I mean, we had like my major. I was a TV production major, and we had like one math requirement, and so I like took algebra. Like I uh-huh. didn't. I hate math. And I, w- I got all the way to, like, pre-calculus in high school. And then I was like, I'm just fucking taking... I took, like, an algebra. I was like, I'm getting out of this. Yeah. Because... <laughs> and I, like, oh. got, like, hundreds on everything. Just, like, <sighs> get, get out of the I'm way. jealous. I took introduction to finite math. And... That sounds terrifying. The first day... It was Math 107. It was one of the easiest ones. The first... Um, First test, I got a 90 on. I was like, cool. And I got consistently 30 points less on every single one. And I studied. I can't, my, my brain doesn't wrap around math. I went to oh. all the study sessions. And when I went into the final to get a D in the class, I had to get an 89 on the test. And I knew it wasn't going to happen. So I did as much as I could. And then I immediately went home and I wrote an email to my teacher and attached a picture of my face on it. And I was like, hi, I need this to graduate. I don't do math. I'm a theater major. I need you to please do what you can. And he emailed me back, congratulations on your D. And I got a D. And that was like my fifth year of college, very last class oh, I took. Oh, man. And it was, uh, even my graduation cards were like, Crystal Pass Math. I should have taken it freshman year while I still had math in my brain. God, no, yeah. I think I got it, got it done pretty quick. Ugh. So the last trope of the episode is a terrible gift. Because they finally... Sally, or no, August and Tommy do their gift exchange. And they, and the, she, he like bought her everything. A belt, like every belt, cell phone, earrings, like perfume. Just, yeah, everything. He, she got him an ornament that she made of a picture of the two of them. Which is honestly a sweeter gift. Sweeter, very sweet. At the beginning of the episode, though, she did sell it of like, I got you a perfect gift. Yeah. And that's what like set him off on this like crazy tear, where she was like, I got you the perfect yeah. gift. What you what you would say in a situation where you made something for them would be like, I'm excited to give you this present. Yeah. Something like that. She set up some expectations. To, yeah. Perfect gift. That's not a perfect gift. No. It didn't even have an ornament string on it to hang no. it on the tree. No, it was it's just, just like, a like trinket. Yeah, and the only way you and it had a round bottom. So the only way you'd be able to put it anywhere is face down, which <laughs> yeah. is a picture of them, or it'd be like rolling everywhere. Yeah. You it was it? a bad gift. Yeah. What the hell? So then Tommy, like, is like, I got you such a great, like, blow you out of the water, which does not go over well. No. Nope. <laughs> so, yeah, this was a really fun, super Christmassy episode with fucking 15 different tropes in it. Oh, so, so good. I would say, like, definitely watch this if you want to watch a Christmas episode. And also, this is the only one they ever did because I feel like they just got it all out of the way. Yep. They're right like, there. we can't do it again. We've already talked about everything. I'd give this episode a C. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Yay! You passed! D+. You passed! Good job, C+. Plus. C+, because plus, it's Christmas. <laughs> Let's move on to some <laughs> trivia. Ba-ba-ba. 
So the ratings for this week's episode, uh, 19.2 million people watched this episode. Wow. Pretty good. Yeah. Uh, In the week, where do you think that ranks? 19.2 million people watching an episode, 1996. Uh, Third. 13th. Really? Yeah. Wow. I might might start trying to do this because I feel like it's so, I have no grasp on what is it. I know, clearly I don't either. nowadays ratings are so small because no one watches TV at the same time anymore. But like back then it's like this episode, 13th for the week, 19.2 million people watched it. The top five shows for the week were the entire Thursday night NBC lineup. Really? <laughs> number, number five was Single Guy, four was Suddenly Susan, three was Friends, two Seinfeld, one ER. That Which is, is just... so funny because this was, a, I didn't, those shows were like background noise to me. Oh, wow, up. yeah. See, that, those were my shows. That's but, so funny. Because they were my, you know, I mean, we watched NBC, NBC every Thursday. So yeah. that was like our jam. But yeah, that's, it's also crazy that, like, NBC is just like, we're going to rack up on Thursday. Yeah. Top five shows. Single guy, suddenly Susan, they're in the top five. How, <laughs> does, how is NBC now for shows? Do they? I don't even, I mean, like, they have The know. Voice. Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't, like, uh, but, like, um, their Thursday night right now, like, Will and Grace, the revival of that has done really well in the ratings. Yeah. So, like, that's great, because it's a really that. great revival. Yeah, I it's love Will and Grace. It's the funniest, like, it is as yeah. good as it was at the beginning of its run, which is kind of crazy. That's, that is very Maybe it should be, when, when a multicam sitcom starts dragging in season, like, five or so, they should be like, we'll see you in 11 years. Yeah. Just go, go for 11 years, and then come back, and then do season six. Yeah. Because, honestly, that, like, 11-year lull, like, woke them up, and it's great. Um, on IMDb, 196 users gave this episode an 8 out of 10. Would you go higher, oh. lower, or right on the money with that? Uh, I, would, I think I'd go right on the money with that. No, yeah, yeah maybe eight I, and a half. Yeah, I think like eight sounds yeah. solid. It doesn't blow. It didn't blow my mind, and I wasn't. I didn't. The show didn't end, and I was like, "Wow, I'm changed." Yeah, which I feel like if you watch the other two Christmas episodes I've done so far, the Dick Van Dyke Show one and the Mary Tyler Moore Show one, both of those I. Firmly believe anyone watches them, you your life will be changed yeah. at Christmas time. They are so, they have less tropes, but they're full of the magic of yeah. Christmas. Whereas this one is kind of just like a joke machine, and it just has it just runs through so many great Christmas stuff, yeah. and I think it's really good. But I think an eight is fine. Yeah. Um. So the prof the, the professor names that Dick passes up are shout outs to musicians. He says professors Flansburg, Linnell, and Chilton. And Flansburg and Linnell are the two Johns of They Might Be Giants. Oh. Which seems totally on game for this show to name drop. That's crazy. Chilton, I am assuming they mean Alex Chilton, who I think is uh, the lead singer of Big Star, a 70s rock band. Who, like, oh. if, you, if you like They Might Be Giants, you're also going to like Alex Chilton. Um, and NBC's Sunday Night lineup at this time was Third Art from the Sun and then Boston Common. Oh my did you god, I did Common? watch Boston. And that had the apple. Was in the credits, yeah, there probably. was like, an, yeah. like, a, like a, a sepia, like, apple at some point. That was, uh, yeah. Anthony oh Clark was like God. a southern guy going up to Boston to go, like, you know, his because his little sister Paige was going to go to school and he didn't want her to go alone. I haven't thought about that show in so yeah. long. Uh, and then, after you watch those two sitcoms, every Sunday night, NBC had a different movie of the week uh, from, like, a movie, a movie movie. This week's was Lightning Jack. A movie starring Paul Hogan and Cuba Gooding Jr. Wow. So, find that. Um, who would you say had the must-see performance in this episode? I think Dick. Yeah. See, like, For, why uh, do you say it? Well, it, I'm torn because 
I think that Harry, he went through the most struggle just spiritually with all of this. I mean, or uh, mentally with all the Santas. But Dick, his physical comedy is on point. Yeah. He goes, his arc is insane through the whole thing. (laughs) He gets so mad. He makes people feel awful for Christmas. But then his Christmas spirit comes back tenfold where he ends up bringing other people back up with him. And everyone forgives him because that's what you do on Christmas. Yeah. And I, oh my God, the Secret Santa scene when he eats the paper. The childlike wonder of him uh, is so good. Yes. And it's like I want to give it to Sally because she was also great, and I want to yeah. give it to Harry. But it's like it's like yeah, Dick has the most to do in this episode. Yeah. It's very demanding, and it's just he's really good in it. He so is. yeah, uh, must other people see this episode? Must. Yeah, they, they must. must. Yeah. I think if you're gonna like you know go to my flow chart. <laughs> It's so cool. Although this one isn't on the flowchart, because the flowchart is specifically Hulu, and this is on Amazon. But still, go to the advent calendar and watch every episode of my advent calendar. But I think if you just want to get the most Christmas for your buck... Yeah, and it's good, and it's really funny. I've watched it three times in the last two days, and I was still (laughs) laughing just as hard the third time... Yeah. We watched it. I it like, moves is... through so much. There's like, no lag time. No, yeah, they, like, really get going. Yeah. Um, I mean, even the end of it, they, like... The end of it is Harry's like, I don't know how Santa goes. Santa's gonna get down this chimney because they have like this little pipe thing. Yeah, and he's like, Sally, but he will, and then boops, boops the little, little Santa on the nose. It's so and cute. Sally's like, Dick, do you ever think we'll truly understand humans? And then right then is like, Silent Night. Oh, they're like interrupted by the conga line, and yeah. then they just conga. And they're then they're and, you know they get welcomed back in with the humans, yeah. so they feel alienated, and then it's like, oh no, we're surrounded by. All these people and the three Santas yeah. that we screamed in their faces. Yeah, I don't know how they got invited Harry's there. went back and like invited them. Or it's yeah. like Miss Dubchek is like hanging out with them probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Drinking at the bar. Woo. So yeah. Uh, Gracie, yeah, thank you so much for coming out and talking about this yeah. Christmas episode. Thank you for having me. Where can people bother you online about Christmas? Oh my gosh. Bother me about Christmas on Twitter and Instagram at the Crystal Beth. And then if you go to iTunes, you can look for... The Fifth Element and Unlimited Lives Radio, two other podcasts I do. Yeah, Brett was a guest on The Fifth Element, so go back and listen to me. Listen to him talking about how much I love in home. Yep, <laughs> handsome man. Uh, but yes, thank you so much. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. And that does it for this week's episode of Must Have Seen TV. Thanks again to my guest, Crystal Beth, for dropping by and running the holiday gauntlet with me and talking about Third Rock from the Sun and Christmas next week. The Holiday Gauntlet three-month odyssey concludes with a discussion of the Full House episode, our very first Christmas show. Our very first Christmas show is in Season 2 of Full House. It is Episode 9 of Season 2 of Full House, and you can stream that Full House Christmas episode on Hulu, or you can buy it in iTunes or Amazon. Until then, you can send your questions about sitcoms to me at musthaveseentv at gmail.com. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr and at musthaveseentv. If you like what you've heard, please, I beg you to rate and review Must Have Seen TV and iTunes. It would be an amazing Christmas gift that you give to me. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at, at Brett White. You can read the words that I write at Decider.com, including a Decider's sitcom Christmas advent calendar and a holly jolly Christmas episode flowchart that I probably discussed in this episode and next episode and all and all of these episodes. Um, you can also check out my sitcom t-shirts and stickers at tpublic.com slash user slash Brett White. The theme song this week is, of course, Alvin and the Chipmunks' The Chipmunk Song, a.k.a. Christmas Don't Be Late, but that's not actually the title of the song, even though that's what everyone calls it. 
Thanks to ACAST for hosting the podcast. Thanks to all y'all for listening. And I'll see y'all next week on Must Have Seen TV. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.